Hey there, conductors. If you've ever felt that you're not quite sure what to do next when you're studying a score, maybe you don't even know where to start with a difficult piece. Maybe you study one piece too much and then you realize at the first rehearsal that you don't know another one well enough. Or maybe you're a new conductor and you don't know what score study is. I'm excited to share that I'm finally publishing and sharing my score study checklist. I've been refining this for 12 years now, and I'm so excited to share it. It is going to walk you through my structure, my process to make sure that I learn every score that I need to learn well enough and so that nothing falls through the cracks. So it covers everything that you need to know. There's a link in the show notes. Go ahead and click it, sign up, and you'll get that score study checklist sent right to your email. You'll also get access to an eight-minute video of me explaining what each section is and how I use it to organize all the music that I need to learn. It's only eight minutes, so it's not going to take you a whole hour to learn how to study better, how to put up a process for your score study and how to make sure that nothing is falling through the cracks. So again, click the link in the show notes, and I hope to see you soon. Now, please enjoy this episode of Podium Time. Welcome to Podium Time, the podcast for conductors and students. Hi there, everybody, and welcome to this special episode of Podium Time. I'm your host, Jeremy D. Cuevas, and today we sat down to chat with Julius Williams, president of the International Conductors Guild. And we're also experimenting with releasing some shorter, more focused episodes. This first episode from our talk with Julius is all about conducting and composing for the ensemble you have in front of you, and how your preparation and the music you write as a composer should change depending on a few different factors, including the orchestra that you'll be working with. As always, I'd like to extend a huge thank you to our supporters on Patreon who help keep the lights on here at Podium Time by supporting us with just a couple bucks a month. Find the link for our Patreon, our social medias, and our website in the show notes of your podcast player. There's also a link there to the International Conductors Guild, which you should join if you're not already a member. And speaking of the Conductors Guild, you can use the code PODIUMTIME for 20% off your first purchase at pagubatons.com. That's Podium Time with no spaces, and I originally connected with Phil from Pagu at the Guild Conference in Montreal this February. But for now, here's part one of our interview with Julius Williams. Do you encourage your conducting students to also pursue composition? Have you found that to be something that's helpful for you as a conductor? Well, see, at Berkeley, it's a little bit different. Most of the students, um, a lot of them are, you know, uh, come in and want to be composers. We got a lot of kids who are into film scoring. So we got a lot of film scoring kids. And if you're going to be a film scorer, you got to be a composer. But they all of a sudden want to conduct. And then we got some, we have some in composition who are um, composers. And then, um, but they all, the, the good thing about Berkeley, everybody got to study some conducting. Everybody got to go yeah. to conducting at Berkeley. That don't mean that they're good conductors. <laughs> and, you know, that doesn't mean, but everybody has to study conduct, which is good. And so that that's a good thing. Um, the trick with me was I didn't want to be a composer that conducts. So it's usually composers are not the best conductors. They think they are, but they're not. And I, I didn't want. And then I don't want to be a conductor, just you know, who, who writes a piece or just knows orchestration and think they're a composer. So it was, you know, I've been doing this since the very beginning. I think I modeled myself after my teacher, who was just a, also a composer, fantastic composer and a conductor. So 
And so that's why I wanted to, in undergraduate, I just studied a lot of conducting. And then as a graduate student, I was a, 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 a conductor. I mean, as undergrad, I was composition. But as a graduate student, I was a con conducting major. And I, and I, I was, um, you know, I studied conducting before mm -hmm. I went to Aspen. A lot of a lot of times, uh, and and by the way, I try not to conduct my own pieces. I have some recordings out that uh, I, you know, I recorded myself. Most of my recordings I record my own pieces are not the best recording, because when you write a piece, you're looking at it completely different than if you look in it. People don't know that they're close, but they're two different things. Composition. It's nothing to do with conducting, and conducting is nothing. To, even though they are uh, connected, but you know, if I'm looking at your piece as a as a conductor, I'm looking at how to best perform it for the ensemble that I have in front of it, how to make it work with the ensemble in front of it, where where to make it work. It, it if and every time you do this piece, you got to look at the ensemble in front of you and say, "Okay, this will work with this ensemble." You have mm -hmm. to, you have to think of it as a performing art. As a composer, you sitting there, like I'm working on a piece now. I'm sitting there, go, "Oh, isn't that beautiful? Every note is beautiful, and it got to be played this way." And the sad part now, which I'm, you know, I tell my students, I banned them from using finale or Sibelius. Because that's all they they can play. They play it back, and it and I tell them it doesn't sound like that. Yeah. So the composer goes up and think it's it's not going to sound like that, and it, it, because of you know all depends on what if you have the New York Philharmonic or the Boston Symphony, maybe, <laughs> maybe, but it won't. But it's not going to sound that way. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing is they get to because they're not here. They don't even hear what they written. So they don't even know what they, you know, and I must have premiered at least 200 or 300 pieces, maybe more. I maybe underestimated the number of pieces. And they'll, and they'll look at, and a lot of times I find that, because I'm a composer, they don't know their own piece. They have no idea. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, you know, it's not getting on them because they, they haven't heard it. They're just putting it on paper. And are playing it in the a computer, and they think it. This is what it sounds like. Also, they're not objective. <laughs> when you compose, you're not objective. This is, you know, I know, I, you know, because I'm a composer. Also, I know. Yes, this is beautiful. This is wonderful, and this is not when a, you know, you know. I look at the composer and say it ain't gonna work with this orchestra that way. So we're gonna have to do it this way. <laughs> you know. So it's. It's a strange thing. It's it's a kind of a you know it's two different arts. Sometimes they're in one, but they're two different arts, and you got to understand the two different arts. For it to, especially if you're a good con conductor or composer, you know the two different arts. You know, there's fair. You know, there's some composers who are con you know obviously Leonard Bernstein is somebody like that who were also great conductors they understood you know the different parameters yeah. you know? and so i like other people to conduct my piece unless i realize the person can't conduct and then <laughs> <laughs> there's a problem <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's just happened you know like, mm -hmm. 
No, you can't conduct that in three. You know, you, uh, you just look at them and just, okay, good. You try not to. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> one thing you said was, um, how can I best perform the piece with the ensemble in front of me? And I think that's something we assume, but this is one of the first times I've, I've actually heard somebody say, you know, how can I perform it best with the ensemble in front of me? Can you talk about how how you may, you know, make any adjustments in the way that you prepare a group depending on it? Yeah, it all depends on the group. You know, if you have a, you know, the, the good thing about me being a conductor is that I was, a, I'm, I perform with so many different caliber groups, you know, mm-hmm. guest conducting, you know, and it's not that I perform with a community. I have kids at Berkeley fantastic to be, but you know, I perform with professional groups or, you know, when I'm working as a, you know, I, I cover a lot of concerts with the Boston Symphony or, you know, so I have to decide, you know, what what's important, you know, if I put it in front of the Boston Symphony or the Dallas Symphony or any other symphony, you know, they're able to play, then I'm thinking of it completely different. I think of the, the music, uh, you know, I'm trying to bring out phrases or something that I want to bring because they can play all the notes and all the notes will be there. What do I yeah. want to bring? And then the parameters I have to figure out in, in the room that I'm in, what works better? Because people don't understand that if, if you know, if I'm performing in Symphony Hall to some little room, it could, that changes the sound too. I got to change the dynamics. I got to change the way it's played because of the sound. I have to think of what's around it. That's why when you go from one room to the other. But if you, um, but if you, uh, you know, on the other hand, if the, the orchestra is, if you're doing a community orchestra or some other orchestra, you realize, okay, they're strong in the brass there. They're not too good in there. Okay, they're great there. So I have to look at the piece and this and say, okay, I got to bring that out. And this mm-hmm. doesn't work. And then all depends on, then you have to be a, a figure out if you have a short amount of time, how to make this piece work, you know, there's maybe some notes that they really still can't play. So mm-hmm. well, how can I fix this? Cause I can't fix it in that amount of time, mm-hmm. you know? So you gotta be, you know, you have to have open enough ears to decide what ensemble, what your ensemble is, you know? And that's how I can tell with a, a, you know, with a conductor, you get up there and they'll start, well, you don't know what's wrong. <laughs> I see, you know, you know they, they they look good, and you said they don't try to fix it. You know, you don't know what to fix, or you don't know why to fix it. That's how you tell with it. Just go to rehearsal, okay? And they start brass. You're doing there's nothing wrong with the brass, you know. Or you should know the the brass. You know, they're playing those. They're trying to play the notes, and you just say. Oh, they'll get those notes. So, so you don't worry about that because you know they're played. It all depends on what they do. But you know this other spot. You don't know where to fix. And that's where, it, you know, you have to be able. That shows you, yeah, he's a great conductor. He can figure out what's wrong, where it's wrong, and what to fix. And how mm-hmm. to best. The whole object is to how to make it, the performance go the best it can because that's what you, that's your job. You know, Absolutely. sometimes the composer gets mad when I say, no. <laughs> <laughs> we get in the fights. No, I don't really do that. I just say, okay, don't worry about it. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> 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 don't worry about it. I got it, you know. 
But the good thing is I'm a composer. So I try to reassure the composer because, you know, like I said, by rights, you know, um, they have a vision in their heads. Also, you know, it's happened to me in the past. You know, I, I, I have about 10 or 11 recordings on the Prague Radio Symphony and the, and um, and uh, on Albany Records and on um, on uh, uh, what's the other one? Um, but you can pull them up there. So I have a lot of recordings, and one composer went to do a recording with me, and he wrote this piece. He didn't know what it sounds like, and he started hearing it with the orchestra. And then he realized some of the mistakes he made and tried to fix the piece while we're recording the piece because he didn't realize, oh, well, you know, I did this on the computer, but this this sounds different. Oh, it sounds much more. I can do this. And so they, you know, the vision is not there. You know, composers have been composing a lot or hearing a lot of their pieces is not a problem, but it's happened, you know, a few times where all of a sudden they hear the piece played by this, you know, you know, great players, and they go like, "What? Oh, that's what it sounds like." Oh, okay, <laughs> let me try. I said, we can't do that at this amount of money to an hour. You better, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. So it's a, you know, <laughs> a tricky situation. Usually, I start screaming at them. Yeah. No, I don't. But right, <laughs> you know. But then at the end, they realize, oh yeah, you know. But it's good. I work with, you know, it's good that I work with all types of music and um that's the yeah. good thing about me i've done you know i'm not doing the same pieces all the time i do a lot of new music you know some great music some bad music but it is it's mm-hmm. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us for this episode of podium time and listening all the way to the end you've joined the full episode club If you'd like to get more from the podcast, consider joining the Podium Time Inner Circle group on Facebook, or check out our Patreon page for bonuses like behind-the-scene discussions and other educational extras. Links are in the show notes or at podiumtimepod.com. Mendelssohn's Italian Symphony was performed by the Czech National Symphony Orchestra, and Beethoven's Egmont Overture was performed by Stefano Ligorati. (laughs) 